Amazon's got everything you need for your dorm. From everyday essentials and school supplies, to clothes and decor, to bedding for... Power naps. And regular naps, too. Save on all things college at Amazon. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool, too. With an ice-cold cold brew. And not just any cold brew, but one that's slow-steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Hello there, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. Just a quick message for all of you on our Facebook group. Congratulations, nobody got it wrong this week. Like I said, it was a very easy uh, a very easy picture to guess, I suppose. And, uh, you know, well done to everybody who guessed. If, you, if you're not on our Facebook group, I say this every week, get yourselves on it. Because we do play this game every week. And on what we do, we'll upload a picture of this week's episode and we'll try and get you to guess this week obviously the most famous one of the most famous pictures in history which was that motorcade of jfk in dallas so for uh, for everybody who guessed correctly and obviously for those of you listening now we will be covering john fitzgerald kennedy the 35th president of the united states now what we will be covering this week is not just his assassination. Obviously, his assassination was probably one of the most famous parts of his tenure as president. However, we will be covering a lot of things that he did do during his presidency that were very, very significant. Now, considering he was only president for just under four years, he only served one term before his assassination, you wouldn't think he did that much unfortunately you would be wrong he was possibly one of the most influential men of the 20th century and some of the things that he actually dealt with as a president you know is is unbelievable considering how short he was as as president how short his term was and and again how young he was you know when he was elected he was the youngest president in US history so i'll give you a little bit of a background about John F. Kennedy, or Jack, as he was known to his friends. So JFK was born in 1917, so he was born sort of towards the end of the First World War. Now, he was born into a very middle-class, upper-class, let's say, Irish family in America. Now, I believe this gave him quite a good standpoint in politics. His grandfather was actually the mayor of Boston. His dad was a multi-millionaire. These people, and he and his dad was very influential. His dad ended up uh, becoming sort of the U.S. ambassador to the United Kingdom. So you know, these these are very influential family, let's say. And to be fair, 
it sort of sheltered JFK from from quite the life that he would have, you know, that would go. Let's say that the average American was going through. He was sheltered very much from that. Growing up, obviously around the nineteen twenties, uh, most of America was seeing a bit of a boom at this time. But f- after that, after that, when the Wall Street crash hit in nineteen twenty nine, obviously most of America and pretty much most of the world fell into a bit of a depression. The stock prices plummeted. A lot of people's money became worthless. A lot of people lost jobs, so on and so forth. Now, for the Kennedys, this was not something they had to deal with. They were very, like I said, as very middle middle to upper class, I would say more upper class, more what the British would call aristocracy or the French, more bourgeoisie. So they were very you know let's let's say well off and and not really affected by the great depression so growing up obviously he had a very good childhood in that sense now he was born with quite a lot of complications he had one leg that was shorter than the other gave him chronic back problems you know he did have quite a lot of medical issues let's say that possibly at the time he shouldn't really have survived past childhood Obviously, as we know, he did, and and JFK, you know, went on to have quite a good career. Now, when the Second World War was declared, uh, when America went to war, he he wanted to join the army. Now, he went to join the army and was actually refused on medical grounds. So his brother was already in the army and was obviously making a bit of a name for himself. JFK, growing up, sort of lived in his brother's shadow. His uh, he went to private schools, he got ejected from certain schools, he was sort of what you'd call the you know, the troublemaker in school. He he was that type of a child who he could do well, but he just decided not to bother. And and I believe he he actually had a meeting with a psychiatrist and this psychiatrist said to him, you know, why why do you behave like this? And he said, Well, why do I need to? You know, why do I need to get good grades? Why do I need to do all this? my brother does it for me so he did sort of live in his brother's shadow a little bit and and i think he was well aware of that and had his brother survived the second world war i do believe he possibly wouldn't have gone as far as he did you know and as soon as his brother actually died in a in a raid over over germany in in a b-52 bomber that was shot down so it's, it's when his brother died i think JFK had to step up you know he had to assume that role of I will carry on my family name I will make my family proud let's say so obviously like I say he he, he had a few few issues his brother was you know the the top student the a-grade student he was in the sports teams he was you know he was your varsity let's say top student and uh, obviously with JFK not being that he, he he ended up sort of failing a little bit however this just goes to show the influence the Kennedys had he didn't get the, get the best grades in school he didn't do the best in school but yet he still went to Harvard and he still graduated from Harvard he graduated cum laude so he did do very well considering you know how how badly he behaved and it does go to show a little bit on how not necessarily your grades get you into the top schools a lot of your 
family influence can have a big say in that. And that definitely, you know, rung true with, with Jack and how he got into Harvard. Failing that, obviously, like I said, he did he then did go to join the army during the Second World War. Unfortunately, like I said previously, he was denied access to the army due to his, his medical conditions. However, his father managed to pull a bit of a sway with the Navy and he got in as a US Navy man. When he joined the Navy, he was pretty much kept out of any combat. Now, he was given control of a ship, so he was made Naval Lieutenant at 25 years old. And he was, like I said, he was given a ship and his ship was just a patrol torpedo boat. So pretty much their their job was to torpedo Japanese destroyers. Now, his ship, let's say, was they were very small. They weren't these weren't very big ships. They were tiny little boats with a very small crew, sort of five or six men. Now, his ship actually got cut in half. Now he was like I said, he was kept out of a lot of conflict. So his dad made sure he was always in safe waters, let's say. So he you know, he, he did look after his son and he did pay that that sort of attention to make sure that JFK was kept out of trouble. Now, like I said, his his ship was actually cut in half in the South Pacific by an Amer uh, by sorry by a Japanese destroyer, and they had to swim to safety. Now, a couple of men died on this, and JFK ended up taking a belt, tied a belt around another sailor, and swam five miles to a deserted island and they were then later rescued now this act of heroism from JFK you know, it rung very big very very poignant in the American mind and obviously when he then later ran for Senate, Congress and, and for President the stories of JFK as a war hero was certainly a big factor in that you know th this is a guy who <clears throat> although had quite a good upbringing had a very let's say you know a very upper class bringing up he he was a he was a real man you know he he had he was a war hero now there's not many let's you know just, i can't imagine donald trump ever being a war hero or you know barack obama being a war hero these are guys you know even looking at, at britain now Boris Johnson certainly can't see him being a war hero so you go back and JFK I mean if we had now I believe in especially in this country a president a president sorry a prime minister in this country who was a war hero it gives you a little bit more of a sense of pride I think you know Winston Churchill fought at Verdun in the first world war this is when he ran for office when he became prime minister of the United Kingdom there was a sense of pride that a war hero was leading our country. And I think America definitely had that. Uh, obviously, going along with that at this time, you know, you, you're running alongside the Cold War as well with, with America and Russia. So someone coming in who had that a little bit of military experience, I suppose, played a big part in that as well. So after the war, JFK he actually became a democratic member of the house of representatives and then he then became a senator now in 1953 he married Jacqueline Lee Bouvier who would be 
Jackie Kennedy, probably one of the most famous first ladies of all time. The reason for that, JFK, he wanted to progress to president and he was known as a bit of a playboy. Now, he was a good looking man. He certainly played the field very well. His father, you know, was very open with his affairs as a as a man and and I believe JFK had this, you know, I'm I'm John F Kennedy, I'll shag who I want pretty much. And obviously that works well to an extent as a bachelor, but realistically especially in America I mean this country in in Britain we're a little bit more I want to say open-minded so I hope no one takes offense to that but we're a little bit more open-minded in this country in regards to things like that whereas in America they like that family dynamic they like the fact that you know a president needs a first lady that sort of attitude with it and you know and to be fair it did calm him down and he did sort of progress in the American eye. So he marrying Jackie Kennedy gave him a, another foot in the door, let's say, to the White House. So he won the Democratic campaign to be their candidate for the White House. And in 1960, he defeated Vice President Nixon to win the White House and win the presidency. Now, like I said before, this he was the youngest president in u.s history added to that he was actually the first catholic president in u.s history now this is a big deal in america again not so much a big deal in in britain but in america the allegiance for the catholics to the pope would have made america a lot of americans think well you know really is this guy gonna put America's interest first or is he going to put the Pope's interest first because realistically Catholics allegiance to the Pope should rate higher than their allegiance to their home country now he was famously quoted saying I am not the democratic candidate I'm not the Catholic democratic candidate I am the candidate who happens to be Catholic so he he was well aware of the fact that potentially this could you know his religion could cost him and it does make does make you wonder a little bit in regards to that so he obviously he then he overcame that it was very close you know this was the closest result in u.s history since 1884 so it wasn't like he landslided this victory it was a very close you know nixon was very close to winning and you know, JFK became the 35th president of the United States. Now, officially, he was actually the 34th different president of the United States. So for those of you that don't know, it's done in succession. And most presidents only serve two terms. Grover Cleveland actually served two terms, then missed two terms, then served two terms later. So he was the 22nd and 24th president of the United States. So JFK was the 35th but officially he was the 34th different man to sit in the white house so again just a little bit of a random history fact for you there so when he was elected 
all presidents do an inaugural speech. When he was inaugurated, one of his most famous quotes was, Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Basically, he was trying to rail up a little bit of support, a little bit of pride, let's say, back in America. I mean, very similar to Donald Trump with this, let's make America great again. He was trying to get people enthusiastic about America and make people believe that America, you know, going forward was this superpower. I mean, you've got to remember, 50 years before this, in the First World War, America's navy was non-existent. America's army was non-existent. America as a country was very, very young. Yet 50 years later, America is the powerhouse in the world. They are the biggest country. They are the strongest country. And they are the most, let's say, the most influential country in the world. You know, there's a reason why they say that the president of America is the leader of the free world. You know, I mean, there's a reason for that. You know, they are the biggest country. They are the proudest I would say even possibly the proudest country in the world and coming from someone who is British and very very proud to be British you know the pride that I have in my country is is you know tiny compared to some Americans that I know and the pride that they have in their country so you know I believe he he sort of riled that pride back up you know he was one of the catalysts behind that now he did, like I said, he did do a lot of things in in America. He dealt with the the Russian crisis. He dealt with the Cold War. He dealt with the Cuban Missile Crisis. Now, granted, he didn't deal with that very well. You know, he he did uh, what was known as the Bay of Pigs invasion. So, a little bit of context around that. Obviously, the Cold War was pretty much Russia saying we're going to nuke you, and America saying we're going to nuke you, and no one actually doing anything and sort of sat there with you know no one wanted to nuke everyone do you know what i mean it was that sort of that's why it was the cold war no bullets were actually fired america were constantly surveying russia russia were constantly surveying america and they were just looking for somebody to make that first move and nobody did which was <laughs> thank god nobody did um one of the biggest points points of it was America, American spy plane actually spotted missiles, Russian nuclear missiles, in Cuba. Now, Cuba at the time was a communist regime under Fidel Castro, and obviously the link between the communists of Cuba and the communists of Russia, that was enough for, you know, enough of a reason for Russia to station their weapons there. Obviously, America saw this as very dangerous let's say you know this was right on their border this was right next to where where they lived you know it's not that far away so they used what was cuban exiles so these were men who had been exiled from cuba who'd then come to america and they used these to basically to attempt to overthrow fidel castro so on april the 17th 1961 the attempt was made and the exiles these exiles were retrained by the US CIA now basically their plan was that they would land on the beach and they would take out Castro obviously this didn't happen they were pretty crushed pretty quickly and the incident was sort of it was a big blow 
to President Kennedy and it it also led to strengthen Castro's links with the Soviet Union so it was pretty much a, one of the biggest backfires he could have had you know he planned to do this and failed so again this was quite a big a big issue you know he had this this plan to to overthrow a, a dictator and it, it blew up in his face really so you know this was this is a big part in history you know, you know i could do an entire episode on the bay of pigs and if anyone wants to hear that you know I, i'm you know let me know I'll, I'll do that and you know the same goes for the cold war i mean i'm giving you a very quick snippet of it but again it's it's something that was i mean this the cold war went on for almost 50 years this is something that is very easy to be covered you know we could we could cover that in in another episode so obviously this this week we're focusing on jfk so you know he did a lot of things in 1961 you know going back he established the alliance for progress which provided economic assistance to latin america so he did you know that's that was kennedy he he did that famous speech where he said by the end of this decade we will land on the moon you know he was sort of a catalyst behind nasa he was really into the space program again famously said that you know by the end of the decade we we will have man on the moon and obviously by 1969 they did have man on the moon depending on whether you believe that story or not is is entirely up to you but again that's that's another episode i can i can cover i, I definitely think it's worth covering the the apollo missions i think it's a, a brilliant story and that's something i will cover at a later date so you know there's two massive influences or three massive influences that kennedy had now just to go even further in 1963 he actually did the the speech about berlin and tearing down the berlin wall now obviously this is the, the famous speak speech where he says ich bin ein berliner which to germans was was hilarious berliner in germany is, is a type of pastry it's uh like a a jam donut pastry type thing so the Germans found this hilarious because obviously Kennedy sort of meant it as in, you know, I am a New Yorker or I am a Londoner. He, you know, he, he meant it in that sort of a, a context. But, you know, this is where you know, America was talking about tearing down walls, not not putting them up as they are now, let's say. So obviously, again, uh, you know, very influential in, in Western politics, in, in, you know, European politics. This is a, a president who again had to deal with the Vietnam War. You know, the Vietnam War ranged from 1955 to 1975. So smack bang in the middle of of his tenure, he had to to deal with American troops overseas in Vietnam, and and obviously the pressure with Vietnam. There was a lot of pressure in the 1960s, especially the 1960s, in regards to peace and love, and you know, let's make love not war all of these hippie signs and things that came out in the 1960s these happened all during his tenure as as president you know he had to deal with a lot of a backlash of of a lot of things you know he he even signed the the nuclear test ban treaty between you know Russia and Britain which banned countries from from testing nuclear weapons now 
I think it, it was testing above ground, so they obviously nuclear weapons are still tested below the surface, but but above ground nuclear testing was banned, you know, and this this was Kennedy as well. So a lot of the things that you possibly don't know about him has and how he has shaped the world as we know it, you know, the space program probably wouldn't have existed without him. It's even possible to go as far as as saying. Germany may not have torn down the Berlin Wall. You could even go as far as saying, you know, he was influential in Vietnam. I know it, it carried on 10 years after his death or 11 years after his death, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he wasn't influential in that. You know, this is, he was famous for having an affair with Marilyn Monroe. You know, again, one of the most famous women in history. It, there's a lot of, a lot of fame and a lot of things that he did that you would possibly not know about or or not see in modern modern day and what i as a historian like to do is look at things that have happened in history and look at how they affect today and how they they influence today's politics and today's future you know and and the future going forwards and and jfk was definitely one of those men that although had a, a very short history is was very influential in in what i would say modern day society now kennedy was obviously at this point coming towards the end of you know 1963 was going back on the campaign trail for the following year for the election for president for a second term now he wanted to win that election he had a lot of things that he wanted to do you know he wanted to sort out vietnam he wanted to sort out the cold war he wanted to sort out the nasa space program he wanted to do a lot of things as a president that he may you know he didn't really get the chance to do in his first four years although he did a hell of a lot in those first four years i don't think he fulfilled his political ambition let's say so the plan was basically to like all politicians they do a tour of the country they do a tour of different states and they go around and they basically meet the people do a bit of a, a show and tell a bit of a, a meet and greet wave at the crowd and possibly give a little speech and and basically drum up support for the next election in america there are things called swing states now we don't we do sort of have that in this country in regards to uh, locations there are certain locations in great britain where you know that one one month they're conservative next month they're labor next month they're liberal democrats you know there, there are that many sort of towns and cities in the uk where they can swing either way you know there's no guaranteed winner there and america is very similar to that one of these swing states was texas now texas being the state and the size of the state of texas Texas is extremely influential in US politics. Now, for Texas, Kennedy was not a huge fan of Texas. He was not he never actually wanted to go to Texas in November 1963. And he he went on the advice of his vice president Lyndon B. Johnson. Now Johnson was from Texas and this was in his hometown where they were planning to go so he 
he listened to his vice president and off they went to Texas and on November the 22nd 1963 Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas Texas the Warren Commission uh, appointed by his successor Lyndon B. Johnson concluded that he had been shot by one man Lee Harvey Oswald who was acting alone so the Basically, they had him down as a lone shooter who was up in the Texas Book Depository. So if you ever have a look at the the motorcade route, um, it comes round a corner. And on this corner is the Texas Book Depository where Lee Harvey Oswald worked. They, he basically shot three shots from that window. One hit the shoulder, one hit the head. And that was it. That was, you know, that's how he how he died. Now that there are a lot of conspiracies behind this, and I will go into these because, you know, as a historian, you you pretty much have to deal with the facts, and a lot of things have been swept under the carpet with this, and a lot of things I do believe are unanswered questions. Let's say so. One of the, the, you know, the first thing that gets me is there was, they do, the the security system, so the CIA, what they would have done is they go across the motorcade route, they have a look at all of the windows, all of the route, and they, they, they pick out the safest route. And so does the intelligence or the secret service that works for the president, his own personal security what they did they went along the motorcade route beforehand and they said there was over 20,000 windows on this route now instead of picking some the CIA's conclusion was we're not going to pick any we're not going to use any of them we're not going to look at any of them we're not going to do anything so there's 20,000 windows where someone could have hidden a gun and shot from and they decided not to look at any of them. That was their plan was it probably won't happen so we're not going to bother. Obviously that throws up some questions straight away. Were the CIA potentially behind this? Did did the CIA have any influence in this shooting? Now Lee Harvey Oswald was he tried to denounce his his uh, US citizenship and he tried to move to Russia so again this is right in the middle of the Cold War and this is a man with ties to communist Russia so again one of the questions was were Russia behind this did Russia hire Lee Harvey Oswald to do this killing now Oswald was he was military trained he was a good shot as well so obviously he had to be a good shot um, Russia turned around and said if we were going to do this why would we hire someone that was so obvious to us you know why would we hire somebody who's tried to move to Russia who's tried to become a Russian citizen it's too obvious you know we're not that stupid to hire somebody who's that obvious so I mean there's no there are theories that Kennedy wasn't shot by Oswald. There are theories that say there was another shooter, a second shooter. 
and this is where the grassy knoll theory comes in so as the motorcade goes round there is a grass bank where there are certain people now this is where a man called Zapruder was actually filming on a camera and he filmed the entire thing so it's quite a disturbing video but you can actually see Kennedy get shot and you do see pretty much the the explosion on the side of his face where the bullet comes out the exit wound on the side of the face now the query behind that again is the exit wound is to the side of his face but yet the shooter would have been behind if Lee Harvey was Oswald had fired that fatal bullet he was behind not to the side so the bullet potentially wouldn't have come out the side the first bullet that went through the president also hit Governor Connolly who was sat in front the Texas governor now this is what is called the magic bullet theory so basically the bullet went through Kennedy down into sort of his abdomen ricocheted out went through um, John Connolly and into his through his body and into the palm of his hand so you're talking about a bullet trajectory of this bullet and how it would have moved through two bodies it is possible that the bullet did that it is very possible however the bullet that was found in Connolly's hand was pretty much intact now a bullet that had done that sort of ricocheting around inside two people I don't think would have come out intact I don't think it would have came out in the style or in the 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 wholeness that it came out it, it would have been in pieces I would have thought and this again throws another question you know was Connolly shot different you know was was it him that shot was was he shot by somebody else when they looked at the Zapruder film there are six distinct peaks of sound that could have been considered gunshots so again throwing doubt on the fact that there was one shooter and he worked alone you know there was there was potentially six shots not three shots in the space that J, uh, sorry that Lee Harvey Oswald had to shoot JFK there was no time for him to have fired off six rounds wouldn't have happened not only that there were only three casings found in the Texas book depository so again does throw that that question up the other thing that that again throws another question up about the CIA and whether this was you know whether this was an inside job was Lee Harvey Oswald didn't even get to didn't even get to court he got to he was arrested and again this was caught on live TV he was sh shot by Jack Ruby and killed so again this is another case almost where he doesn't even get to tell his story now this does again make you question does make you sort of think well what what did happen you know did did Harvey Oswald act alone was he killed to be silenced you know you, I think that's one thing we'll never know another theory is that it was done by or it was orchestrated by Lyndon B. Johnson I'm not sure how much I believe with this one but this theory goes along the lines of 
Johnson had the most to gain out of Kennedy losing, well, out of Kennedy dying, sorry. He would have then become president, and how he deals with that would have then pretty much secured and did secure his re-election for the next term. So, you know, again, it does throw a little bit of questions. You know, Kennedy didn't really want to go to Texas. Johnson said, we're going to Texas. Johnson helped pick out, pick out the motorcade route as well, or route. He, he helped pick that. He helped deal with a lot of the security behind the scenes. There are some questions in regards to that, whether Johnson was behind the killing. There's also a famous point in the the Zapruder film of a man standing with an umbrella and just as the motorcade goes past he opens the umbrella and that's when he gets shot and he raises the umbrella up as well. So they there was a lot of things saying that this umbrella was a signal for Lee Harvey Oswald to take the shot, again suggesting that he didn't work alone. When they looked into this they obviously found out well the man actually came to the came to the court and and showed them the umbrella he said look this is the umbrella and you know it's it was done in protest you know why he would have more than one umbrella you know that does does throw questions there's a potent they, they, there was a theory behind that when he opened the umbrella it fired a dart out of the side of the umbrella which hit Kennedy I mean it's a great theory it's, I think it's it would be, it'd be wonderful to think that happened the distance that he was away from Kennedy and to actually kill someone with a dart from an umbrella just it, it it's not it's not feasible I don't think and I, and I do actually believe the story that this man gave he you know he said that he was it was a protest against appeasement. Now, for those of you that don't know, in 1939, Neville Chamberlain was the British Prime Minister. JFK's dad was the US ambassador to the UK, and he was a big fan of Neville Chamberlain and a big fan of Chamberlain's policy of appeasement. Now, appeasement was basically Chamberlain turned around and said, we're not going to go to war with Hitler we're just going to, you know, we're going to see what he wants. We're going to let him come to us, blah, blah, blah. We're, and that's what they did, you know, for, you know, whilst Hitler was moving across Europe, taking little bits of countries that he wasn't allowed to do, Britain sat there and went, oh, no, you know, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. We're not going to start a war about it. We're not. Well, in reality, if they'd have put their foot down straight away, potentially the Second World War could have been avoided. So... The, this policy of appeasement of letting people get on with it and and again this is what kennedy was doing with the cold war in russia you know he was appeasing russia he was you know we're not going to start a war with you you're not going to start a war with us we're just going to let you do what you need to do so i think he came out saying look it's it's a protest now neville chamberlain the british prime minister was very famous for having an umbrella he always every you ever see a picture of him he had an umbrella you ever see a video of him he had an umbrella he always carried one and I think that was, you know, the the reason behind it. And I, to me, that was that's a logical explanation. The protest against the Kennedys in regards to that it did look a bit weird in the middle of a summer's day in Dallas that somebody would have had a an umbrella. But again, I can see, I can see the logic behind that, and I do believe this umbrella man 
was, you know, innocent in the whole thing. So, there are a few theories. Now, I've also been told of a theory by uh, a friend, which I have looked into and I can't find any historical evidence to back it up, but I will tell you because it it is interesting. And that is that Israel were potentially behind the assassination of JFK. Now, I've not found any evidence to back this up, and there will be a reason for that. But there is the conspiracy that basically JFK had on his desk two or three days before the assassination a signed letter that banned Israel from nuclear weapons. Israel were not allowed to have nuclear weapons at this time. There are only certain countries, even now there are only certain countries in the world that are allowed nuclear weapons. And Kennedy was against anybody, any country, not just Israel, but he was against any country having more nuclear weapons. And he wanted to ban Israel from having nuclear weapons. And he signed a document that banned them from that. And two days later or three days later, he was then assassinated in Dallas, Texas. So, and and this document disappeared. So, you know, it does, does throw up a few questions. For me, there's not enough time frame there for Israel to have organized an assassination with two gunmen or potentially two gunmen. Personally, I am one of these people that I you deal with facts. I do not believe he was that Lee Harvey Oswald was working alone because the fact is there are six distinct gunshots. I don't believe he was working alone. However, I also don't believe that there was a conspiracy behind it in regards to CIA, Lyndon Johnson, his own security. There was another theory that said his wife was behind it. I mean, she could have picked a better time to get him assassinated. She was with him 24 hours a day. So, do you know what I mean? They, they, I, I do believe that, I do believe the findings that it was a lone shooter. Not, not a lone shooter, but I believe that they acted alone. I don't believe Russia would have been stupid enough to pick someone that that they knew. But then on the flip side to that, potentially, you know, they could be, you know, double bluffing. You know who who knows? I, I think this is one of those things in history where where we will never know. We will we'll never know, and unfortunately, it's going to be one of those unsolved mysteries throughout the world. The CIA will never release that they did it. Russia will never release that they did it. Lyndon B. Johnson's not around to say he did it. Jackie Kennedy's not going to ever say she'd done it. It's it was one of them things where. Whoever, whoever, the only person I think who would know was Lee Harvey Oswald. And the fact that he was assassinated before he had a chance to even get to court, that suggests foul play for me. Who did the foul play? Let me know. Let me know what you think. If you guys, you know, I'm sure a lot of my uh, listeners are American anyway. I'm well aware of that. So. I'm sure you guys have got more theories behind it than I have. So let me know. You know, get us on Facebook. It's This Week in History podcast. Get us on email, twihpod at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know what you want to see as well. You know, I've had a list of a couple of uh, one of the guys on our Facebook group. Um, he's given me a list of a few things that he wants to hear. Now, a couple of these I've actually got in the pipeline already. So brilliant. Well, happy with that. Uh, it's nice to know that 
people think the same as me or want to hear the same things in history that I want to teach so you know lovely to hear keep up the the listening guys keep up the good work keep up the feedback I love it any feedback on iTunes anything like that get it out there let me know what you think let me know what you want to hear let me know what you want me to do so that was your your story of JFK his presidency and his assassination and hopefully we shall uh, be covering a few more weird and wonderful things in history that you guys want to hear just so you're all aware we have got another show coming out later this week now it is a crossover with realm of the supernatural podcast okay and that will be covering the r101 so if you don't know what the r101 is have a look at it is a fascinating story and that episode will be coming out later this week it's just being finalized now and that is like i said that is a crossover episode between us and realm of the supernatural so i have a good listen of it so thank you very much guys and we'll hopefully see you next week and just remember everybody we all have history so make yours great thank you bye-bye at kroger we work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh from homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner come pick out some yourself because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Kroger. Kroger, fresh for everyone. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery, double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at Kroger.com boost. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet episode to watch or meme to share the world may not want you to sleep but we do only the sleep experts at mattress firm can help you find the right bed at the right price unjunk your sleep in store or online at mattressfirm.com today when you love riding a motorcycle you want to ride it everywhere even getting a dental checkup Mr. Carter, wouldn't you prefer the chair? I'm fine on my bike, Doc. Well, let me know if you feel any discomfort. And when you love saving money, you want to save even more. That's why GEICO makes it easy to bundle your motorcycle and car insurance. All done, Mr. Carter. Remember to brush, floss, and lubricate your drive chain regularly. Kickstart your savings with GEICO Motorcycle. Bundle and save on the things you love. Geico presents Daily Affirmations. Repeat after me. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts create our reality. Our thoughts create our reality. We're thinking Geico offers claim service 24-7 with personalized attention from an assigned team. Geico offers claim service? Um, I, I wasn't thinking that. We think it and it becomes our reality. So, uh, what about washboard abs? Let's give it a go. Think really hard. Okay, abs, abs, abs. Yep, abs. keep thinking. To manifest more Geico in your life, go to geico.com.